Are you ready to rewind? Take a nostalgia-filled ride back to a simpler time. It's Acid Wash Memories, a retro pop culture celebration. And now your hosts, Joe Morata and Michael Quinn. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 39 of Acid Wash Memories, a retro pop culture celebration. Today, we are talking all about hair metal. My name is Joe Morata, alongside our favorite headbanger, Michael Quinn. How you doing there, Michael? Here I go again on my own. Yeah, well, yeah. folks, thank you for not being on your own. Oh. As you listen to Acid Wash Memories, we really do appreciate you being with us here. And hey, if this happens to be your first time, to tell you what we do, we talk about something different every single week uh, from the retro pop culture realm. Each episode is completely different, and we have 38 other episodes available where, Quinn? In the archives. In the archives, so you can check out something. And whether you're a first-timer or a long-timer, we do advise you to go follow us at AWM Podcast on Twitter, and also join, if you want to talk, our Facebook group. That is Asawash Memories on Facebook. You can just find it, join it, and hang out with us there and talk. Hang. Hang and headbang. Headbang, yeah. If you will. So... That's it. All the particulars out of the way. It was yeah. Breezy. That's it. That, nice and breezy. Very brisk. Today we're talking about uh, hair metal, glam metal, pop mm-hmm. metal. There's various different ways to define this, uh, which was, as I'm sure some of our fans or maybe all of our fans know, a very popular, energetic, loud, but most importantly, a radio-friendly <laughs> and a video-friendly brand of music and fashion that swept through the 80s into the 90s. Heavy metal is a big money business with legions of devoted fans. So I guess this is the, uh, pardon the pun, the the growth and the fallout of hair metal. That was friggin' horrible. Quinn, what is hair? It's a thing that grows on your head. Okay. Um, It's a follicle. (laughs) It grows and some people cut it, some people grow it long. Oh, really? It's got kind of like a style thing going on, right? It's the one part of your body you can change around, right? Yeah, conventionally anyway, yes. Other than facial hair too. You could do it, but it's hair. Yeah, it's always always hair. Hair is the only thing you can really uh, mess with. (laughs) You heard people, it here first. People, people figured out how to mess with it this time. Oh, in the 80s, they sure did. Want to change the way you look? Turn on the crimper from Windmere. If you've never heard Acid Wash Memories, or especially one of our music episodes, or any episode where there's a lot of ground to cover, we a lot apo- of hair to cover. Well, <laughs> we apologize in advance for any artists or songs that we will not mention. Okay, yes. uh, well, the, we can't cut, we can't get it all. The researchers in Ogden, they're just they're busy. Okay, yeah. they're they're doing their best, but. Yeah. Uh, we apologize for that, and we apologize for any offensive terms such as hair metal, because I know that isn't, you know, that's a derogatory term, really. It is? Oh, yeah. It's, it wasn't used originally, anyway. Hair metal is something that was hated just as much as it was successful in the mid to late 80s. If you've never really paid attention to what hair metal was, I, I'd be very surprised. But if you haven't, yeah, it's the number one characteristic, I think, is that it's uh, there's big hair involved in all the musicians. Yes. Leather. They, they wear a lot of leather, sometimes leopard print. Yeah. Like prints, you know what I mean? Yes. Textures, fabrics, mm-hmm. and things. Uh, sometimes makeup, you know? Uh-huh. They make pouty faces, the, yep. the band members. They, yep. <laughs> they do pouties. Sometimes there's like animals involved, like tigers and <laughs> or stuff. Or snake. Yeah, or snakes. Some kind of rock. Yeah. <laughs> like a literal rock. Uh-huh. Like a mountain of some kind. Some type of a building. And then the band themselves, they're generally very competent. You know, these aren't bad musicians we're talking about. They get a bad name. But they usually have a character, right? Like, right, it's more about theatrics. Right, so it's kind of like... And, and this was always the funny thing when I was a kid with these guys is that I thought they were nuts or something, right? Sure. But then you learn later on that it's all like just like... Well, some of it. It's just some... Some of them are crazy. Yeah. But most of them are not. 
I don't know that once all this was over, they just either cut their hair and got real jobs or, or like something. <laughs> I don't know. Well, you right? have like your D. Snyder's, a yeah. very intelligent man, yeah. right? You're Alex Became like Cooper's. a politician. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like the hair just came off and they just all dispersed and went and did other things, <laughs> it's right? It's very cute. It's a very quaint uh, way to wrap up the story. But yeah, uh, generally they're, you know, you got a lead guitarist, probably a rhythm guitarist. You have a bass player. And you have a drummer. That's your bare minimum. The standard rock quartet instrumentally. But normally you have a standalone lead singer right. in these hair metal bands, the, the prototypical ones. And normally that lead singer is very good looking or wants to be very good looking or portrays himself as very good looking. Yes. Maybe sings really high, can get the high notes and shriek. Very charismatic. Mm-hmm. And usually the number two, the lieutenant, is the flashy lead guitarist. Yes. this I'm talking your... David Lee Roth and Eddie Van Halen. Right. Right? Like, there's always the number two, like, the lieutenant, the second in command. Yeah, the, or the that. The tin man, if or, you will. Or sometimes that's the guy who's actually the most talented guy. Right. And they're like, he, he he's not like a personality as much, but he can grow his hair, too. He, he's okay <laughs> doing that. But outside of that, he, he doesn't want to say much. He's right? just going to play his solos, man. Right. And so the lead man kind of takes the heat for him. Exactly. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Like a front, like in the front lines, yeah. right? Front man. A big fat drum sound you'll find on a lot lot of these top 40 hits are the videos, yeah. you know. Thick drum sounds. I always love these drummers because they always have these kits that have like <laughs> way more norm- like than normal drum stuff. When I tried to learn the drums, I was like, what is all of this shit? Like, yeah, because- <laughs> like, like what, who does this? Why? Two bass drums, you yeah. know, 12 cymbals. Yeah. It's very important. It was tragic, really. He exploded on stage. And a lot of these songs that were popular have arena-friendly choruses, radio-friendly choruses. But I think most of all, as a genre, it was very listenable. Yes. And I, listen, I'm not here to go down the rabbit hole of what is metal and what isn't metal, Mm -hmm. right? Because it's not metal in the sense that maybe Metallica or Slayer or Anthrax or Lamb of God would come to mind. It's not that style of metal. Right. It's pop music. Really, with a metal instrumental backing. Yeah, it's is a little. The, it's just. A, I. Just, it's a little rougher pop music. Yeah, that's all it is. But, it's like it's got a slight edge. Right, and you know what? I'm here to say there's there's nothing anything wrong with it. I do have a palate for it. I'm not afraid to admit it. Uh, Who doesn't? It was all over the radio, and even like after the era, like you would you know turn on a Q104 or something like that, and they'd be <laughs> it's like, true. they'd be like, ah, we got this stuff, the hard rock, or where they would <laughs> yeah. they never call it hair metal. Always hard rock. Yeah. yeah. But I do like it. Do you like it? Yeah, I don't mind it. In doses. Proper yeah. doses, I like it. Yeah. I'm not going to pretend that I want to listen to it all day, every day, mm-hmm. or anything like that. I'm not a metalhead uh, of any ilk. I find its presence after it was popular kind of funny. I feel like I heard it a lot in the 90s, even though like there was other things that were like the out-in-front stuff. Yes. But like it still like was just on the radio. It was still on the radio, especially yeah. the big hits, right? Yeah, I, but that's kind of funny for something that its glory days had passed, but it kind of still lingered around, but not even like new stuff. Yeah, just the old hits would linger. That's a good point. Yeah, for me, it evokes like my early childhood. I'm talking like the late 80s, the early 90s. It just reminds me of that because when I was first becoming cognizant of music and things around me, this was still a predominantly popular genre of music. Correct. So I remember it being on MTV because my mom 
watched yeah, a lot too. of MTV. The videos were still on. They were still Absolutely. on uh, all over the radio. And my so, dad really liked this kind of music too. I think he did. He like glam metal. Not, I don't know glam metal. He liked hard rock. He called right? it hard rock. So, yeah. but it was all the same. Eventually, if you don't care, it's just all it's all the same. You know? Yeah, it all just merged <laughs> just together. Music. Yeah. yeah, but it's worth talking about because it really did. You know, we're a retro pop culture podca- podcast, and it dominated pop culture of the '80s into the '90s. Not just music, but also fashion. And then it fell quick and hard in yep. the early '90s, which to we the will point talk of being about. like a parody. Like Wayne's World and stuff oh, like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, the Wayne's World is a very timely parody of yeah. the culture kind of surrounding that. This is the Gasworks, an excellent heavy metal bar. Always a babe fest. And they got a food table, too. But we wouldn't be acid wash memories if we didn't get into at least somewhat of the origins of hair metal. And is just, this going to go to the 20s or something, Joe? No, you know what? Uh, like, somehow. We're not this time. Okay. Uh, we're going to pick it up in the 60s. Yeah? Good. We're going to play a bunch of music for you on this one. Uh, not dissimilar to the way we did our uh, 90s one-hit wonders episode, where we just listen to snippets of music. Right. We think that'll be fun for you guys. It's a music episode. We have them every now and then, and this is one of them. So we're picking up the history of heavy metal, and this is a very broad term again. I know there's sub-genres upon sub-genres of all of this and debates and arguments on forums and Reddit, and I'm not a part of that, and I don't want to be. I'm speaking in broad strokes here, okay? You metalheads out there. But really, heavy metal was an outgrowth of hard rock. And when I'm saying hard rock, I'm talking about you know the rock and roll era started in the 50s with you know Chuck Berry being one of them right. and Little Richard. In the 60s, the Beatles fused certain genres of music together and the British invasion happened. And out of that, around that time, you started to get a lot of British hard rock. I'm talking the Yardbirds. The Kinks yes. dabbled in hard rock a lot. Cream being a huge example. What's interesting to me is that this hard rock, it does not resemble the hair metal no, that was to come. It right? really doesn't. By the time you got to the 80s, this stuff seemed tame. Correct. Right? 100%. It almost it didn't even seem like you could put hard on top of it. Right? right. It, it just, just seemed rock. Like, it just seemed like classic rock or something. Yeah, in right? our eyes it is, right? Yeah. But to give you an idea, folks, we're talking, you know, the kinks of the mid-60s and cream mm-hmm. mid-60s. Rock and roll as a popular genre is only a little over a decade old. And this just goes to show you how far it went from Bill Haley's One, two, three o'clock, four o'clock, rock. Five, six, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, rock. To a song like Sunshine of Your Love by Cream. Right. It's getting near dawn. When lights close the tired eyes. Much heavier, right? Mm-hmm. Even though maybe tame by 80s or today's standards. Yeah. Jimi Hendrix also had a lot to do with it. Uh, the psychedelic, the acid rock. Jimi Hendrix rock. is almost closer because his was just all over the place. Yeah. Right? And- right? It's like that to me is a little more wild than even Cream. Yeah. I, I would say so. And Jimmy set a uh, standard the right word a prototype for the flashy technically proficient virtuoso guitarist it was his experience <laughs> and not the other guys just saying it wasn't mitch mitchell's experience back no. there on the kit okay yeah uh, there was a band known as blue cheer that got heavy uh, with their cover of summertime blues the mc5 steppenwolf born to be wild steppenwolf's a little closer to the style yep. that we're talking about but then also in the late 60s in england we had what became known as the Unholy Trinity, or the Unholy Trio, of three bands that formed roughly around the same time that added a different dimension to this hard rock scene because the new Yardbirds, as they were briefly known in 1968... New. Yeah, new. The new version. 
<laughs> they became a band you might have heard of known as Led Zeppelin. So Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin. Now Led Zeppelin, they're like, they're, to me, this is kind of the birth, right? And it is. And Carol, and whoever's probably going, Led Zeppelin is really good. <laughs> well, I'm going to get the one out. I'm 79 and I ate my teeth. <laughs> but I, I knew them. <laughs> I knew them every, so every episode, it's like, I, I, I was the best friend. I, like, loved, I loved Jimmy Page. At about this time in 1968, Led Zeppelin was signed to their contract on Atlantic Records here in the U.S. Led Zeppelin's first album, which was released in 1969, nice. had a, a bunch of songs on it that you guys probably know if you've ever listened to the radio. I'm going to play one just to give an idea of where we've come from uh, by the end of the 60s here. This is a communication breakdown, one of the more popular songs from the first Led Zeppelin album. <laughs> And what you're hearing here, again, there's debate if this is metal, if Led Zeppelin was ever truly metal, but what they're doing is setting a template, in my mind. I think you could definitely, like, classify this a little bit, but, like, the other thing is um, the punk movement definitely takes an influence from this, too. This feels like, oh, a, punk, yeah. this feels like a punk song. Yeah, yeah. Punk, punk definitely took influence in some regard from Zeppelin. Maybe yeah. John Bonham and his drumming style. But, I mean, a lot of people took influence from Zeppelin, right? I mean, like, they were considered, like, you know... In their time, I, I, I have heard people say this, is like people thought Led Zeppelin was going to be like, they're like the, the, how the Beatles transformed everything. People thought this. Yeah, they right? weren't critical darlings or the Beatles were, but right, in terms but they of were, transform, yeah, maybe. They, they were considered transformative. Does that make sense? In a way they were, I think, yeah. yeah. And they also kind of set the, they're a good example, not the first, of the charismatic, flashy lead singer, Mm-hmm. In Robert Plant doing the shrieking vocals. Right. And the very talented guitarist, songwriter, Jimmy Page. Right. And that was an early template of that. Another band, completely different sound than Led Zeppelin, but that formed in 1969 as well. Nice. And released their first album in 1970, Black Sabbath. Yeah. Paranoid. Here's another forerunner to the metal sound. Yep. This is Ozzy's band, obviously. Yes. I think you guys all know Mr. that. Mr. Right? Ozfest himself. Yeah, Mr. Ozfest. The guy who sits on his couch and tries to figure out remote controls now. Well, it could be very hard. Yeah. And this is just a, a classic song. And if you're saying this isn't hair metal, yeah, I, I know. Not yet. Not, <laughs> Not yet, yet, but we got to we gotta set the stage, We're right? setting the stage. But, I mean, what's funny about Ozzy to me mm-hmm. is Ozzy feels like a direct connection because he would More become so. part of of the hair metal scene by the time the 80s came along. He did. He adopted the hair metal look even for a while right. in the 80s. You exactly. Know? it was fashionable. So, right, but Ozzy was still around, so he's like a direct connection. He is a direct connection. And uh, this next band, the third of the Unholy Trinity or the Unholy Trio, would be Deep Purple. Uh, most people would know them, if nothing else, for Smoke on the Water because of that riff. Right. But they were around long before Smoke on the Water and long after, after a break. And this is from their 1971 album, Name of this song is Bloodsucker. Let's take a listen to Deep Purple and see what they were doing around the same time. That's that same- very similar. So this was all coming in around the late '60s, early '70s. This sound. Yeah, there was a there was a change of foot. There was a change of foot. Now this yeah. is all in England, right? Yeah. Meanwhile, there's a totally separate brand of hard rock that is emerging in the early '70s, known as glam rock. It wasn't hard, hard like what we just heard, which is almost bordering on metal. Uh, it was like glittery, cabaret-like, theatrical. Yeah. You know, a lot of glam, if you will. Glamorous. Listen, I, you know what's funny about all this is like the British and the glam. Yeah. I do feel like punk is some weird 
like the more we listen to this, it's some weird like stepchild of the all of this. In like, some ways, it is. In some ways, punk was a reaction to a lot of the decadence. Also, true. Uh, but I mean, the the sound of it is very similar. The sound yeah. of it, the energy, yeah, and glam metal, which again, hair metal. We'll get to it. Did take some cues from punk in terms of the the energy. I'd say, yeah, yeah. the intensity. So one of the big uh, glam bands was T Rex, which yes, in fact does stand for Tyrannosaurus Rex. I mean, it's uh, a notable dinosaur. <laughs> it is. This is Bang a Gong by T Rex 1971. Right. So much different sound than the previous three bands we just heard. And this feels like also you're fusing some of that 60s hippie stuff going on. Exactly. A little bit. A little bit. Another artist who dabbled in the glam scene. Might have heard of him, kind of popular, known as David Bowie. Yeah, him. Remember him? You ever I mean, heard of him? The thing is with David Bowie. <laughs> he did so everything. He did everything. He did. Right? He so did. if there was a thing that existed in his time, he's like, I'll do that. I'll or do it. however he sounds, whatever. That's a great impression. Yeah. Like, he, but that's what he did, right? Like, I yes. feel like David Bowie would like travel the world and like find music scenes and be like, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of like try that. I'm going to do a song like that. <laughs> and then his next song would be something completely freaking different. So like he's going around like Pac-Man just eating. Yeah. yeah just like, it's like, oh, I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a shot. So the Ziggy Dar- Stardust uh, persona was very much glam rock. Right. And here is a quick snippet of Suffragette City from 1972. So again, yeah. sound-wise, we are not anywhere near Zeppelin. Yeah. Again, I, we keep we keep ending up, I think, more towards punk. Well, yeah, or, or like new wave even, but like a little bit. This is more new wavy. This is more new wavy. Yeah. The next band that I want to profile here very much typified a glam rock band. Quinn, have you ever heard of or seen? And if not, I don't blame you. The New York Dolls. I've heard. You've yes. heard of them? Yeah. So I happen to be a pretty big fan of the dolls. And what the what the New York dolls did is they dressed the part like no one had really done before. But I mean, in their day, what they're doing, this is also partially to do like a, a shock. We're going to dress like women. Yes. And, but we're men. And yeah. like, you know, everyone's going to notice us because, I mean, <laughs> yes. that's what these bands were doing, right? Yes. At this time too. Part of it was just to get noticed, right? That's weird. It was a gimmick. Yeah. yeah like, that's you know. That's a great point. And it worked for the very brief period of time that people, you know, cared about them. They they had one big album, uh, and one big song from it that I happen to really like is known as Personality Crisis, which, by the way, Quinn, you're going to definitely hear where the punk influence here. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> but now I'm starting to hear a little twisted sister. <laughs> That's just well, interesting. Was, in we're, my, we're, getting, we're getting warmer. In my mind, Twisted Sister was a takeoff of the dolls. Well, yeah, but I don't, it's not even just that. This this sounds like some cl- closer to them. You think it sounds a little like Twisted Sister? Yeah. Uh, a little bit, yeah. We're not. No. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Now, glam as a fashion, the glam rock, that crossed over into even non-glam rock acts like Iggy and the Stooges. Elton John did like yeah. a whole glam look. You also have to remember the times. It was like the sexual revolution and people were just doing things. Like, Correct. Right? I totally like, agree with yeah. you. One band that was doing things uh, was Kiss. Yeah. And in 1975, they released probably their, maybe their most popular song. Before we listen to that one though, Kiss, Quinn, much like the New York Dolls. This goes all in, Kiss. Kiss, they, to yeah. me, is like, okay, we're here now. This is a little heavy metal. It's a little hard glam rock. rock a it's a little glam. hard But Kiss was also designed for the mainstream. These guys were smart. 
They, Gene they, Simmons, CNBC. Yes, very smart. Very smart. Very smart, right? <laughs> like, they they knew what they were doing, right? It's like, we're going to have costumes, we're going to have face paint, and, and all this, and, and silly hair. <laughs> yeah. And like, but a here's tongue. the thing, but each one of them would be like a different character, so like their costume would be like different-ish. Yes. And then we could sell like action figures and shit of this. It was brilliant. Yeah. And the thing about kids, most people... Let me let me rephrase. There's like lore. There's lore, like like that, and not even factual lore. Like just they're from space or something. I don't know (laughs) or something. It's possible. They're a polarizing band in the sense that some people love Kiss and some people absolutely cannot stand Kiss. Well, I think I'm indifferent. Here's the thing about Kiss. I feel like for rock and roll, they're like the antithesis of Rebels. Right? This is pure commercialism. What it is. Right? Even though they have an image that's designed to be like shocking and funny, or but but yeah, but the fact that they're in like these special costumes with distinct personalities, they're almost just a boy band, just weird, right? <laughs> like you know what I mean? Essentially, I mean, like you know, they're just like this weird interdimensional boy band of some kind. Interdimensional boy band, yeah. Because of the, I just mean by the, the you I know, like a boy that. band's characterized by characters quite literally right uh, where yes. each each one you know somebody like is a fan of that one yeah, the, and, and the, the cute one the yeah. mean one the yeah. nice one this is all real right there but with kiss you got the one that looks like a cat or some shit like <laughs> like there's true. all these like different versions which one is the cat is that it's the one that wears the big boots and he has like the shield Freely, like the, like the <laughs> green ranger shield practically like there's all these like different ones in kiss peter chris so the, yeah. yeah anyway uh their most popular song Maybe is uh, rock and roll all night. This is actually the original non-live version from 1975. I'm playing this to give you an idea of where their sound was at in 1975 yeah. and how this, even though Kiss wasn't technically a hair metal band, right? No one really thinks of them as that. Well, later they were. They later with the no makeup. with the no makeup. They actually were. You're right. <laughs> they did. They were instrumental in in this scene in some way, shape, or form. Take a listen to uh, the original rock and roll all night, 1975. guitar yeah. sound. This sounds like it, Joe. I mean, it's a this is a pop song too. I, I do feel like Kiss is 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 the connector, the the one, if you will. They're one of the connectors. Yeah, and the, the, maybe they're not talked about as one, but in my opinion, the they, strongest they connector to me. Well, because they like, combine all the elements, right? They the, got all of it. The yeah. theatrics. Yeah. The pop sensibility. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't know this chorus, if nothing else, right? Yeah, it, it's glam, but it's also just weird. Yeah. Like, it's just it, the, the look, I mean, and everything. It's not too hard to be, like, accessible. Right. Right? It's, like, the, crunchy the, rock, but it's not, like... And that's the thing, too, is, like, again, how we're talking about how they have this, like, weird costume persona and all this shit. But at the same time, it's like their music is the most mainstream-ass, yeah. mainstream stuff. Like They knew what they were doing, you know, that, like you said. That's all, I, that's all I mean by it. It's like, it, it, it's, just a, it's just a funny thing. It's a mishmash of a bunch of stuff. Agreed. Another band that really kicked it up a notch when it came to uh, this scene. Again, even though they predate it like Kiss, they predate the glam metal scene. Right. Was Van Halen. Yes. 100%. Because, you know, they're variously described as hard rock. Some people say metal. I don't I don't find them to be metal. Even if you yeah. want to say glam metal. They're but a hard I, rock but, okay, band. Okay, so now, now we're into the Van Halen stuff. Good, I, I mean, love them. Here's the thing. is I think Van Halen... What are they? They to are you? absolutely part of that scene because we're t- they're right. You know, obviously, I know the first album is what seventy nine or seventy eight. Seventy eight. Yep. But I mean, when they started to really break through, 
I think they were lumped into this this hair metal. I I would say. Like as as far as the mainstream viewed them as, I would say if you look at what hair metal became, right in the mid '80s and stuff, in the late '80s, as far as the the lead singer prototype and the lead guitarist prototype, they tick both those boxes with David Lee Roth or Sammy, I guess, but mainly David Lee Roth and Eddie Van Halen. They have the big fat drum sound. They have the theatrics. They have the the attitude. They have the hair. (laughs) It is an important factor. It it is. The hair factor. It is a key element, Quinn. Yes, the hair factor. Uh, But they also have the the subject matter, the personality, the energy. Because that's another thing. I mean, they got stuff like Hot for Teacher, where it's like, it's it's just strictly like just sexual stuff. A lot of the things that, you know, maybe I failed to mention this at the beginning, but a lot of the the point of rock and roll, even in the fifties throughout all of this is sex. Correct. A lot of the subject matter implicitly or not is sex. But here's the thing is Van Halen had the benefit of music videos where they could really push the envelope with the sex stuff. Right. That's a good point. They just have strippers, just like literal actual strippers just on your music videos. <laughs> yeah. Why the like, hell not? Because, like, <laughs> because we can, of course. Now in 1978, they did release their first album and here's a brief snippet of running with the devil Playing this one again to give you an idea of the the sound that was coming to be during this mm-hmm. period of time. So you don't let me ask you a question as we're listening to this. Yeah. You don't consider this full on hair metal because to me we're there. I it, think retrospectively it's easy to term it in, in that way. Yeah. I don't know that they <laughs> just I like listening to this screeching. Yeah. I don't know that they I, I never thought of them as hair metal. I, I really like Van Halen. I'm a big Van Halen fan. I never you know, really consider them that, but I yeah. guess they are, right? Yeah. To me, they never felt like a hair metal you band. You know a band that I always felt was like leaning towards being that? What? It might sound stupid because their songs are all over the place, but their look? Who's Queen. that? Queen. Oh, yeah. Queen has definitely dabbled in the glam rock scene. Yeah. Definitely. Like, especially the, the, one, the tall guy with the big hair. Brian May, the lead yeah, guitarist. Yeah. Well, again, Freddie, yeah. the singer, Brian May, the guitarist. Like, right. They, it's just that their music was not like metally. It was like bicycles, bicycle, or like they, Bohemian Rhapsody, or like they had some hard rock and shit though. It just yeah, wasn't then, as popular. Then they got Pretty Little Thing called Love's like a '50s song. That's an like, Elvis tribute. Yeah. yeah. I, I just mean it's like all Queen, over. Queen. Their specialty was to be every yeah. song was totally different, yeah. right? But as far as their look was concerned, I feel like they could have been glam. They, they had like yeah like a hair look yeah you know Freddie Freddie always had hair Fre- yeah Freddie did but in he was notably had his short hair but the rest yeah. of them had pretty big hair yeah the, the Brian right. May had a huge yeah. mane and then of once hair. they all dressed up like ladies in that music video remember they were like little old ladies or yes, something or, and they they one of them was like cleaning a house and like all this yes I yeah. know uh, another band uh, honorable mention here we don't have to play anything from is uh, Aerosmith because they had started in the very early seventies. More of like a blues hard rock band. Right. And they remained that way. You know, they're very unique, too. Aerosmith is another great band. Again, with the Steven Tyler dynamic with Mm -hmm. Joe Perry. Is that his name? I think it is. I hope it is. Hey, everyone, look. The Chooch got something right. I've heard people sometimes lump Aerosmith, especially 80s Aerosmith, into this. 80s Aerosmith glammed it up. Yeah. Because they were capital... Some of these established bands simply just just transformed. They tweaked a few things because it was popular to do so. But I think Aerosmith's another one where they they definitely were around before this was even a thing. You know what I mean? I mean, Aerosmith was around before time 
existed or whatever. <laughs> Apparently so. Still going. <laughs> Still going. So just a sh- shout out to Aerosmith. I think I think T-Rex and Aerosmith shared the same <laughs> environment, you know, and I'm talking about the real see, T-Rex. See what you yeah. did there, Quinn. So we've covered so far uh, the hard rock, the origins, the seedlings of heavy metal with Zeppelin and Deep Purple and um, Black Sabbath. We've talked about glam rock, yeah. right, and how it got harder and we're starting to see it. But we do need to mention, back in the UK, there was a new wave of British heavy metal, that's the name of the movement, mm-hmm. uh, in the late 70s, right around the same time that we're talking yeah. about with Van Halen. The, the big one in my mind that kicked that off, or was a huge part of it, was Judas Priest. Now, Judas Priest is a much more conventional heavy metal band. Again, I don't want to get into debates with people about this, but they're not a hair metal band. Let me just put right. it. Judas Priest is not a hair no, metal no. band, typically. However... In 1980, they released probably what I would say is their their most radio-friendly song, mm-hmm. and that would be, I love this one, Living After Midnight. Let's take a listen to Judas Priest from British Steel, Living After Midnight. This is a pop song, and in the best friggin' way. I love this song. So, for those of you that have never really listened to Priest, the rest of their catalog does not all sound like this, uh, but this is a good template for what could be a radio hit in terms of metal. I just love this song. Mm. So this showed in 1980 that there was an appetite for this on the radio, because yeah. this was actually a crossover hit, which metal hadn't had too many of those yet. This, uh, Yeah, this totally falls into... Right? Yeah. Well, like, this could be a mid-80s song. It sounds like it. You know Absolutely. what I mean? And again, Judas Priest does not... Not all their songs sound like you this, know, but... You know, there's some intersecting stuff going on here, too, that's coming to my mind. The 70s is, like, this period of time with all of this. Mm-hmm. Like, I definitely think, like, The Who has something to do with this, right? And, like, uh, the Rolling Stones to a certain extent, right? The Who and the Stones, especially in the 70s really had a harder sound than than they had in the 60s because it's not what you did in the 60s you know what i mean particularly the who but also the stones but by the later 70s had a much harder sound right that's why i just want to give them like i just in case people are screaming at home what what about them yeah because and and why i bring them up too is because in the mid 70s they were like arena bands right they were huge yeah like they had they had because they were established at this Mm -hmm. point people knew who they were yep but their music kind of feeds into this as as we form into the true. Oh, you that's, know, like, yeah. The Who are a very influential band. The Who, band. definitely. Very yeah. influential. And it, both of these bands that you just mentioned, just funny, coincidentally, they have that lead singer, lead guitarist, 1-2 dynamic, Jagger and Richards, yeah. and Roger Daltrey and Pete Townsend. It's just funny, yeah. you know? It, it feels like you just have to mention them, right? At because least a they're, the they're, they're definitely like a huge influence on this. So we're talking about the new wave of British heavy metal. We have Judas Priest. There was also obviously Iron Maiden, Mm -hmm. the other big one. But another one that actually grew out of the new wave of British heavy metal scene was Def Leppard. Yes. Okay, now Def Leppard. They're they're, they're the thing. They're, They're definitely it. So Def Leppard hates that they were lumped in with the whole hair metal scene. 
That they had hair. Now they it did have metal-y. hair, and they played metal music. Yes, and they did after their first few albums start to adopt the more commercial, radio-friendly sound. If you want to make money back then, well, that's what you did. Yeah, you guys know Def Leppard. Pour some sugar on mm-hmm. me. You know, photograph that. They had like ten songs that were popular. Yeah, uh, in a very short amount of time. But Def Leppard was British. And what the fuck is wrong with that, mate? And why am I mentioning that? Want some Phoenician chips? Because the glam metal scene. When people came to define it in the 80s, it was really centered around Los Angeles, particularly the Sunset Strip, and that whole culture. And we're going to talk about some of those bands shortly. But Def Leppard, whether they kicking and screaming or not, they were labeled hair metal. Right. Because they were like, oh, fuck it, we're in England. We have nothing to do with this. Yeah. But sorry, you sound like you do. Yeah. You know, like pour some sugar on me sounds like it could have been made in Los Angeles. Pour some sugar on me is like one of... The- the songs of the time. Right. Like it's like known. It's like connected. Yeah, exactly. Also, a brief mention to Europe because they had the Final Countdown and in general, Europe is a cool band and kind of a glamish band. The Final Countdown is a fantastic, fantastic song, song that can be used in many settings, yes. including professional wrestling. Absolutely. And it's awesome. Absolutely. So we've named a lot of bands so far, right? And what we essentially have, it's a wide spate of bands that had this in common at least. Hard rock, yeah, flashy, bordering on metal a little bit. Commercially viable. Exactly. There was <laughs> yeah. always that pop sensibility. Occasional blues rock influence, but that was starting to be stripped away. It was more just like chord progressions, pop, guitar solos. So no, no matter how disparate Van Halen is from Kiss or whoever, right? They all have this general like... I don't know. Is it just in the in, in the zeitgeist? You know, is it yeah. just a... It's in the geist. The, <laughs> All right. The gestalt, if you yeah. will, of, uh, <laughs> of what became the hair metal scene. Shut up. By the early 80s, the term that was being used for this type of music, including Van Halen, including Def Leppard, was pop metal. Hair metal was later. That, that term did not come around until the early 90s. I think that's more of an outgrowth of just the things people were seeing on MTV. 100%. Like, right? Like, yeah. It's like, oh, they all have big, gigantic hair, and the music's like hard rock. Yeah, it's hair metal. It's right? hair metal. But it was really known as pop metal uh, for the most part. So some other major players here in this scene would be Quiet Riot. Now, they were formed in 1973, but their success was during the hair metal scene of the 80s. Most notably, Come On, Feel the Noise. Yes. You know that one, right? Well, especially if you saw the ad for Monsters of Rock a hundred <laughs> exactly. times with the guy falling out of the plane. Like, <laughs> so I think I think we should just play that just, just so everyone knows, okay? See that big drum sound I was talking about? Come on, feel the noise. Now, this is almost we're not going to take it. Yeah, it's, <laughs> a lot of this music is very similar. Well, yes, and that is going to contribute to its downfall. Right. Now, this song, which I happen to really like. Guys yelling, people with tattoos and hair. Yeah. Like, it's just a pop song. It's yeah. just a pop song that's loud. It's just why I love it. I think it's so just funny. Yelling. Just yelling. This is this to me. It's stuff like this that contributes to the the um, the, the joke in the eighties where like there's a father going, "What is that noise?" Yeah. Like it's just noise. Because a lot of people, that was another thing going on with this stuff as it started. To us now, it sounds like just regular old music, yes. right? But to people who were not ready for it, maybe they were they were into a little bit of a lighter sound, like Frampton or something. It just sounded like screaming to them. Right. They, they, they couldn't even hear the rhythm to it. They just It just sounded like noise to these people. Which is ironic because the, the name of the song is, of course, 
come on, on feel the noise which how much you want to bet is a, is a takeoff of <laughs> that be. right it's because that was a con- that was the common you know trope is that the old man saying what is this noise oh as, right. as far back as the 50s with rock and roll because these are all jazz right fans from the but greatest I think generation and big band funnier is that it's the people coming from the rock and roll age it is hearing this and being like what is this noise right right. it's like this is like no this is gross like this isn't (laughs) even anything you know what's funny too this is a cover of a band named slade by the way uh which maybe some people didn't know that they also spell come in a very you know unsavory way i mean sex uh anyway you ever hear of um round and round by rat Yes. That's a good one. They were formed in 1976, also were very popular in the 80s. Round and Round was from 1984. And why don't we just play a little bit of the chorus here for you, okay? This is Round and Round by Rat. Some Van Halen-style yeah. guitars. It's just, yeah, it's the same thing. If I told you this is Quiet Riot, would you know? Nobody. I don't. I think if you told me it was Rat, I wouldn't. I'd be like, what? Who are they? Hey. <laughs> Classic song, though, right? We're giving you a sampler here, folks. There are more bands than we can cover. There are more songs that we can mention. But we've mentioned these guys enough already. Let's just play a song by them. This is Twisted Sister, one Mm -hmm. of the ugly faces of this whole movement. One of the, like, the ones, right? One of the ones ones that people are like, oh, that's heavy metal. That's right. They'd had two big songs, I Wanna Rock and We're Not Gonna Take It. Both were 1984. Why don't we just play I Wanna Rock? Change it up. I Wanna Rock! Ah. <laughs> you know what I think's funny about Twisted Sister? What? Is that they're so, like, controversial or whatever, because, you know, they're they're dressed like girls. When they're dressed, they, they just wear, like, men's clothes and just they have, like, rouge on or something. Yeah. Like, and, <laughs> and, maybe, and maybe a wig. Maybe a wig. Like, I don't think they do have wigs. It's like, and they're, they, they don't even look too female like no. it's like it's clearly a man with makeup on people like, were very upset about it back then though it's you just know? funny because there there was worse right and I or, think even kiss to a certain extent this looks like idiots yeah <laughs> but, but like these guys this is like horrible <laughs> oh, no. it's like oh no he put a little rouge on his face has a wig on but but he's wearing leather like it looks like a biker like it's, remember when he had to like he Joe Lieberman got mad at them or somebody did in <laughs> D. I Snyder. really think it's just because D. Snyder was just loud and political yeah and like, they had two like, popular songs yeah and he was he was just because he was political his adversaries were political people that's a good you point. know what I mean yeah. <laughs> well actually it was uh, Tipper Gore that uh, got uh, had a problem with the it wasn't Joe Lieberman Motley Crue came up in 1981 yes uh, they are considered by some people that care about this more than I do as the a tr- Motley Crue <laughs> I mean I mean just look at them it's in the name <laughs> look at Vince yeah. Neil and Tommy Lee but anyway they're considered uh, the first true glam metal band by certain people because they were on that sleazy sunset strip. Mm-hmm. They were living the lifestyle that they sang about in their songs. You know, Kiss is from Detroit. You know what I mean? Like a lot of these yeah. other bands are from England. They're imitating. They're not, they're right. not really living this, this, whatever this is. Motley Crue is right there on the strip, man. And their first album was 1981, but their most famous song, I think, well, maybe not, but to me is Girls, Girls, Girls from 87. You know the one, right? We're not even going to play it. You guys know the song. Maybe it's playing under us. 
There was also Great White. You ever hear of them? I've heard of them. I, I couldn't identify a song, though. Maybe, maybe you'd probably play something and be like, oh, that. So they did right. a cover. Yes, I'm going to play it for you. They did a cover in 1989 of an Ian Hunter song from the 70s, 1973. It's called Once Bitten, Twice Shy. Do you remember this one? Uh, I think <laughs> it sounds like you will. Yes, I know this song. This is uh, Great White's cover. This is a song that was, this came out in 89. It's already a 16-year-old song. Interesting. Yeah. But the chorus is so catchy. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this is funny because this is late 80s. It yes, does, 89. It sounds lighter. Like it is. It's very pleasant, isn't it? It sounds like something that would play on Dave's World. Don't bring up Dave's World again. Well, because I just Two always think of, in a row. I always just think of Dave's World as this Stop. weird, like <laughs> late eighties dad into the nineties doing oh, things. Oh man, like, I don't, I don't want to think about Dave's World ever enough already. Can't it? wait for the Dave's World episode, yeah. just specifically Dave's World <laughs> coming soon to a podcast near you. Yeah, uh, and then of course we'd be remiss if we did not mention Bon Jovi. Yes. A, a, a codifier of the hair metal genre. New Jersey legend. The New Jersey legend himself, John Bon Jovi, who dated my aunt in high school. Uh, just need to mention that. I just find everyone knows this guy. We live here, people, everyone has a story. Oh, I went to high school with him or this or that. Like, like It's like everybody that is his age somehow knew the man before he was anything. <laughs> it's like, true. It's, it's like every single person who's his age is like oh yeah we went to uh, we knew him we used to hang out with we, him oh we every you know we used to go bowling every week or whatever, like, yeah. it's always like some weird story of like regular stuff <laughs> I know it's like, good yeah so Bon Jovi although they're not a Sunset Strip band they're completely opposite coast over here they're hanging out with Southside Johnny for crying out loud yeah. you know that oof Hi, Ian. Uh, they, their hair <laughs> and their they style. They had good hair. They had gr- John Bon Jovi had phenomenal hair Glorious in the mid-80s. hair. Right? Yes. And then again. It's almost a shame <laughs> that when we got to the 90s, they all cut it short. Yeah, he had yeah. the short hair when he did uh, It's My Life and all that. Yeah. But lead singer, John Bon Jovi, his right-hand man, Richie Sambora, the same fucking formula that I keep mm-hmm. talking about. All of these lead guitarists, by the way, I don't want to say all, but all of them, they all do the big flashy solo that like, Eddie Van Halen, Mm -hmm. who was really inspired by other people, but Eddie really brought to the forefront. What is the deal with these guys always having like the double guitar and a double neck, sometimes a keytar and like all sorts of nonsense? Like you know what I'm, you know what I mean? Like I feel like that's part of this that we haven't discussed is this like silly instruments like that would that would plague this genre. Like, That's true. Yeah, 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 the, yeah. the double neck guitar, I guess it is practical for certain sounds. I understand. You like, look like a moron. Why you need it. it, but I feel like it existed more for just to be extreme. Right. right? It was I like, think so. it was just, look at this shit. Like, <laughs> you know, like, look at this crazy ass stuff. Well, some of that is, again, same thing with the drum kit you were yeah, talking about. The, the some of it is for thousand show. drums. Like, are you even using all of that? One of my favorites like, is Michael Anthony from Van Halen had the Jack Daniels bass. There you for, go. For no fucking reason, just because he can. marketing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for marketing a lot of it was for marketing like it's like wow he must be really good he's playing two guitars at once or something (laughs) what a man let's give him more money uh but bon jovi uh slippery when wet which came out in 86 right smack dab in the Mm -hmm. in the popularity here they had multiple hits obviously but you give love a bad name and living on a prayer Mm -hmm. those are those are some glam metal classics man. absolutely absolutely we don't need to play them but anyway we have covered up to the mid-80s right now, we threw in a little Great White for fun. We got a few more bands to mention, 
And we got to talk about what happens with the scene. It's very popular now. We're in the MTV age in the 1980s. It's caught on. We mentioned all these songs. It's just a small amount that we mentioned. So many bands are popular that had never been. Some were formed in the early 70s, had never seen commercial success until this movement. So there's a lot going on. It's permeating the fashion and the culture. Look at 80s pictures. We'll see it everywhere. But folks, thank you for hanging in with us here. We're going to talk all about the other half of glam metal right here when more Acid Wash Memories returns. My name is D. Snyder, that's S-N-I-D-E-R. I have been asked to come here to present my views on, quote, the subject of the content of certain sound recordings and suggestions that recording packages be labeled to provide a warning to prospective purchasers of sexually explicit or other potentially offensive content, unquote. Before I get into that, I'd like to tell the committee a little bit about myself. I'm 30 years old. I'm married. I have a three-year-old son. I was born and raised a Christian, and I still adhere to those principles. Believe it or not, I do not drink, I do not smoke, and I do not do drugs. I do play in and write the songs for a rock and roll band named Twisted Sister that is classified as heavy metal, and I pride myself on writing songs that are consistent with my above-mentioned beliefs. Do you know me? You may not recognize me without my hair. I'm Size Sperling, Hair Club's first client. And since 1968, I've helped thousands of men with thinning hair. If you have thinning hair, this booklet is something you should have. It covers transplants, weaving, fusion, minoxidil, and proper hair care. So call our toll-free number now to get your free booklet. You saw the difference it made for me, and look what it did for our clients. So call our toll-free number now to get your free booklet. Now there's a new taste in town, Wendy's New Chili, and it's just 99 cents. Thicker, zestier, tastier. Wendy's New Chili, 99 cents now. Hello, we're Whitesnake. Take control of your destiny and register to vote now. The reward will come from your choice. If you're over 18, do something cool. Vote. It's not a duty, it's a privilege. Now we return to more Acid Washed Memories. Hey, welcome back to Acid Wash Memories, our special hair metal episode. Very episode special. 39. Very special. Joe Murata and Michael Quinn. How you doing there, Michael? Hi. My lead guitarist, if you mm-hmm. will. Thank you guys for being with us here on Acid Wash Memories. I hope you're liking this one. Again, we're not trying to offend anybody's musical sensibility by mislabeling. Uh, we're trying to, to do broad strokes here because believe it or not, some of our audience is younger than we are, and mm-hmm. we're just trying to, to lay the foundation, bring up some memories, and uh, ha- help you guys have a good time, whatever you're doing today. So that's all. Uh, please follow us on Twitter at AWM Podcast. Join our group. It's on X, too. Yeah, God, yeah. X. Yeah. X or tw- whatever. Just whatever. <laughs> just follow us on it. And uh, leave us a review on your podcast app of choice. We'd appreciate that. Yeah. Wouldn't we? Yeah, I would. I, we would. You would also? I like it. <laughs> okay, it's good. And you like hair metal, too, right? We've discussed. Fan. Yes. Fan. Okay. Fan. So we were talking about the the scene a little bit, you know. Uh, the oh, sunset. it's a scene, all right. <laughs> it's all a scene. That's intentional. The Sunset Strip, Los Angeles, the Whiskey A Go Go, all these other clubs. The whole scene is like is doused in 
booze, drugs, women, the party atmosphere. That's like so, the ethos of this scene, so right? I think you need to talk about that a little bit because I think that's what made the candle burn bright but burn out quick. Was what? a lot of these. Did you write got, that down ahead of time? That was no, good, Quinn. No, it's from Blade Runner. <laughs> or see it? Oh, I've seen it. <laughs> yeah, but go ahead. Um, these guys were living hard. A lot of them. Yes. I want to say for a, for a second here. I wonder how much that contributed to burning out so quick. I'm not a doctor, but I can't imagine a steady diet of mounds of cocaine and cocaine pills yeah drug like brown liquor brown liquor white liquor yeah any kind of liquor liquor. yeah i can't imagine it's good for you right these guys you know when this scene got going and it started rolling i mean these guys lived a party every day for an entire like decade you know the real ones did you know motley crew and the, the not the posers like d snyder i would like to use this occasion to speak on a more personal note and show just how unfair the whole concept of lyrical interpretation and judgment can be it was not healthy and, no. they, and they had a reputation oh I mean, God, they, they, they did. they'd interview these guys and you didn't get an interview without them having you know cigarettes in hand and and, and look uh, with the with the sunglasses on because who knows what the hell they were doing before and barely being able to talk you know that's a great point Penelope Spears made a movie well trilogy the decline of western civilization and part two is the metal years it was made in 1988 and there is a scene where uh chris holmes of wasp who was one of the bands there he's in his pool drinking vodka on a float while his mom watches and he's just drunk and this is seen as like a prime example of the the decadence of this scene mom have a drink chris do you yes ma'am this is a documentary pardon really the quality Uh, is high for looks like a movie full-blown alcohol film just when he's awake. It's just I, not... I drink too much. It, it's not a good scene. Now, yeah. this movie is very good and very funny, by the way, and everyone is interviewed in it. Uh, I'm talking about, like, Poison, like, all the bands. Alice Cooper. Yeah. Lemmy is in it from yeah. Motorhead. I know that all the girls in the audience are going to want to know this. 16 inches. Okay. No! <laughs> no! Combination all four. We're four, four piece. By the way, Penelope Spheris went on to direct Wayne's World. So right. there you go. But so somebody who was really into the she knew the scene, like, man. the scene and these people. Yeah. And so, but you have I, a point I, about about the decadence. Quinn. The decadence to me feeds into the decline. I totally agree. It really started to wear thin with people. It couldn't last by because the end of the even 80s. they're human beings. Well, that's right. True that's too. the other thing, right? And like, not a lot of people were willing to live that life. Even like, it looked cool on a music video, but then if you went to go live it, I don't know, you became a junkie or something. Yeah, like, it could be very difficult. Yeah, another movie. It came out prior to the one we just mentioned, but it definitely lampooned rather harshly mm-hmm. the metal scene. Not specifically hair metal, but the metal scene. Obviously, would be this is Spinal Tap, right? So Spinal Tap's another, you know. Oh God, I love that movie. Great movie, Rob Reiner. Rob Reiner. Uh, Rob Reiner. Yeah, yeah. Michael from the from Meathead all himself. The, yeah, Meathead himself from All in the Family. Yeah. Uh, he has decided to become a director, and he's going to follow a metal band, and it's like a faux documentary. It's so good, like man. it's a fake metal a band documentary. Yeah, mockumentary, and just all sorts of dumb shit happens like the whole way through. But it's so accurate. The way yeah. they started as a '60s band, they had their Flower Child. Yeah. Era. The, there's that little background piece yeah, at the so beginning good. and it's just like they always really, have a different drummer yeah know? yeah just every little but these things the stupid instruments yes the stupid Stonehenge the, 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 the whole yeah the whole the <laughs> arena shows with the stupid crap like the theatrics and everything these so, go to 11 so but this to me again it just plays into like 
this shit was not going to make it, you know? Right. Oh, not it's not going to make it. Like, <laughs> Very you good, Quinn. No, but you're right, it wasn't. It was a shit sandwich, if yeah. you will. The review you had on Shark Sandwich, which was merely a two-word review, just said, shit sandwich. Um, <laughs> Where'd they print that? that? Where'd they yeah, print that? That's not real, is it? You can't print that. But back to the glam metal scene. It was all the rage. It was so popular. Again, Quinn and I remember it still being popular when we were growing up. Yeah. And then it, it faded. It was a cash register. It was a cash register. All you had to do, so this is the great thing. If you're in a musical scene that is defined by image, it's very easy to cash in. The punk movement in the late 70s, they did that. And again, in the 90s, obviously. But in the metal scene, they do it too. Oh, I just got to look the part. It doesn't matter if we're any good or not or if this is what we really think. There was a bunch of like, wasn't there a bunch of just metal bands or whatever that were like nobody ever heard of on top of all this? Of course there were. But they were like, they were making some kind of money somewhere. Yeah. And they got to do all the drugs and have all the fun. Well, that's the thing. And even like the established hard rock bands started to integrate the image to their advantage. We mentioned that earlier. Like Aerosmith, they yeah. were already popular, but they mm-hmm. said, fuck it, we want to be popular again. Right. Let's glam it up. Another band that cashed in on this, Cha-Ching, was Whitesnake. Because Whitesnake, you might only know them from, I guess, uh, Here I Go Again on My Own is probably their most famous song, but they have others still of the night. They started in the late 70s. David Coverdale was the singer briefly for Deep Purple, and then he left Deep Purple and formed White Snake, and early White Snake sounds nothing like "Here I Go Again," uh, "Here, Here I, I Go, go again, again," or anything like that. If you want love, you gotta be cool. Yeah. And if you deny it, then baby, you're a fool. But they saw he was smart. He was like, "Okay, I'm gonna just uh, we're gonna tease the hair more, and we're yeah. gonna go for this commercial sound." I mean. It- <laughs> I think we're at the chapter here where people are coming onto the scene that were not established people that were just kind of going with it, right? Because it was, like we said, cash register, it's easy money. Make a little tweak to your sound, have a stupid costume on, and and, and (laughs) people give you millions of dollars. Hey, why the hell not, right? And you can keep your career going, too, on top of it. And that's why we're here to announce that Quinn and I will actually be forming a hair metal band Yes. Uh, next year, 2024. It's going to take us a year to grow our hair out. Yeah, it's that's why. We have to do this properly. Don't cut your hair, Joe. No, like Pavement said. Yeah. And we're going to go... No, that, that is cut your hair. And we're going to move, actually. We're moving to LA, Sunset uh, Strip. We're going to experience this for ourselves. Right. And really do this properly, right? Lots of alcohol. Oh, lot, yeah. Lots of drugs. Mountain, just mountains of cocaine. Yeah. We're not serious, folks. Mm-hmm. So, there's uh, other hits. I'm not going to play the clips anymore. We've had enough clips. Uh, White Lion had When the Children Cry in 1987. Warrant had Cherry Pie. Yeah. You know that one. She's my cherry pie. Yeah, that. You want to take a stab at when that came out? 84, 5, something like that. 1990. Really? Yeah, it's one of the latter era hits for the hair metal scene. Interesting. 1990. What about 17 by Winger? You know that one. Only yeah. 17. 87. 89. Oh, man, it's all at the end, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, some of them The were. ones that were like recognizable in the, like, if you just list the Monsters of Rock. Oh, which, yeah, don't worry. We to will. Me, to me, that is like, you know why I always I always bring it up is because that was like on all the freaking time in the 90s. And that, to me, typified Hair metal. Oh God, yeah. Like, Monster it was like, ballads and monsters it of rock. It was this this compilation yep. cheap ass thing from probably some 
stupid. Was it even company. Time Life or was it like it's somebody? Probably one of those companies. <laughs> like to, to just like yeah, we we just got a bunch of this. We own the rights of this shit. Let's just like unload it, right? I like just it. play it during like every single like thing on cable. That's what they did, man. Yeah. Monsters of Rock. Thirty-five huge hits on two CDs and two cassettes. A couple of bands that came up in the late '80s that were very popular: uh, Skid Row and Poison. Yeah, definitely heard of Poison. Poison, you know, Brett Michaels, all that. Uh, to me, that is one of the when I, as a kid, and like to this day, when I think hair metal, I think Poison. And I don't even like Poison, to be yeah. honest with you. I really don't. Poison could probably hang out with Bebop and Rocksteady, and you know. <laughs> Like you know, what? like they're that kind of like what I don't know. What does that mean? It means they're like the rough. They they, they kind of had this look to them, right? Yeah, they, 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 Brett Michaels wore the makeups. Yeah, you know, yeah. And bandana and all that. I don't know. They just they they just remind me of that. <laughs> well, they ain't nothing but a good time. That was yeah. one of their big songs, and of course, every rose has its thorn. You mm-hmm. know, which we'll get back to, but. That was a, a power ballad. I guess we got to talk about power ballads. So yeah, I I think it's an important aspect of this scene, right? Because the power they ballad. would always have the you know the you know they have their oh we're so hard blah blah <laughs> you know <laughs> like that, and then like it would like have this like ballad but with their kind of like twist on it, right? <laughs> Yes. You know? And this, the lead singer w- would be singing nicely like, yeah. the one time. Like, it's like, oh, he's got a softer side, right? It's like, <laughs> this one's for the ladies or whatever. You know, it's like shit like that, right? Yes, and the power ballad. It's <laughs> part of the marketing, too. There's no it way is. they didn't factor this in, right? They knew. They, they absolutely were like, they're, you know, in these concerts that everyone's on drugs and it's a real rager, right, man? Play and this like, towards the end. Play this towards the end when everyone's kind of really burning out. And like, and then and then you have the women in the, that, that came along for this shit and they're like oh he he is a nice man let or me whatever. take my underwear off and yeah. throw it at him yeah. or whatever yeah. the hell people do yeah uh, but yeah these became very cliched and if you've never heard of they what all a, had them it was insane had them. if you've never heard of a power ballad i'll explain it to you at least one per album usually right you know the metalish band like quinn said this is for the ladies we're gonna take it down a little bit right it might have a piano yeah very very important it's usually like way classed up compared <laughs> yeah. to like what they usually do right and then like you have the tender singing then there's like a crescendo and then there's yeah. a big chorus yeah then where they get a little louder than <laughs> yeah. they, they you know they, all of a sudden it's like oh this is who this is right and then either after the first or second chorus there's the big dopey guitar solo yeah like, I always think of like Guns N' Roses like that like or something like that Guns N' Roses I'm glad you mentioned that I was going to Guns N' Roses November Rain would definitely be a power ballad by the way that's what I mean (laughs) yeah okay so what do you consider it November Rain absolutely Guns N' Roses I don't consider a hair metal band because their sound was a little bit harder edgier it had elements of punk a little bit it was it was not It was not what you were getting in the mid '80s. It was but a little were, bit different. And, but that's what made them stand out. Yes, but they, it's that's not to exactly say that is not to say that they were not lumped by the mainstream <laughs> oh, media yeah. as no, they're part of that. I mean, and they did. Uh, yeah, you know, they did the power ballads. Also, just their name alone, Guns and Roses. Oh, it's, that Axel. Yeah. Oh, Guns and Roses. Okay, that Axel. Yeah, Axel Rose. Good. Yeah, like I really? love them, man. I love Guns N' Roses early Slash. stuff. <laughs> Again, the lead singer, yeah. guitarist combo that yeah. we were talking about. Again, though. Axel Rose and Slash sound like they could be in Streets of Rage or Turtles too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're that. There is a Slash in the Turtles, yeah, actually, yeah. and Axel in Streets of Rage. Yeah. 
that axle. Yeah. I wanted to make sure we mentioned them, even though I don't consider Sweet Child of Mine or Welcome to the Jungle or any of that to be hair metal. Here's the thing. They come near the end. Well, in, yeah. In, yeah. The, in the time frame of Towards all of this, the end, right? yes. Yes. And I do think, I'm not blaming them for the decline or anything, but like, I it's do- It's not th- Axel's fault. I do think their loss of prominence kind of goes hand in hand with this entire genre going down. I don't know if it's Cause they one were, it has to do with the other, though. I think it's just coincidental. No? But from a mainstream perspective, they were- one of the faces of this, even though they weren't. Does that make sense? I think you're right in the sense that at the time hair metal lost its popularity, Guns N' Roses also did. Right, but I do I think, don't know if they're the cause or the effect I of do them. think non-fans of this music, right? People who liked other music. Like what? Who view, you know. Reggae. Or even just the mainstream Jazz. hits of the time, like UB like, like a Madonna or whatever. Right. Like a Michael Jackson. Or like what, a Michael Jackson. Right? Like, right. like those people looking, the outside looking in, right? That's they, those those people absolutely saw Guns N' Roses as a face of this. Probably. I think that's fair. You know what I'm saying? I think that's fair. Yeah, I, I do. I do agree with you there. Yeah. And the people viewing Guns N' Roses, <laughs> this, by the way, are the same people listening to Michael Bolton and shit. He was very popular for a period very of time. Very great artist. <laughs> had good shit. I didn't say that, but I guess you're all right. It's all right. Michael Bolton? That's me. Wow, is that your real name? Yeah. <clears throat> so are you related to that singer guy? No, it's just a coincidence. But okay, I want to make something very clear here. Although this is very popular music throughout 84 to 90, 91, other music exists. We're not dumb. Absolutely. Here. Uh, you have the new wave uh, and post-punk scene in the early '80s, yes. right? Which I know you're legitimately big a big fan of. Yeah. Big fan. Yeah. Uh, you had the indie rock scene was starting up with bands like the Replacements and REM. Yes. Uh, in the mid and late '80s, there was also an almost defied being in a one particular scene. They were they were punk, they were funk, they were rock. Of course, I'm talking about the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Right. They uh, they started in 83, 84, but they really picked up steam in 89 and then in the early 90s, Absolutely. right around this time. Absolutely, in the so 90s, they, really, they picked up. They so, became a super band. Right, so they avoided this whole scene and yeah. ever being lumped in it. You know right. what I mean? They weren't, so good for them. What about Pearl Jam? Well, Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, U2. Yeah. The rock bands is why I'm mentioning them. That did not sound like the rock you heard on the radio. Right. Right. Like Pearl Jam out of Seattle, I believe they yeah. are, right? I think the term for them at the time was alternative. They were not metal. They were an alternative to the yeah. mainstream. Yeah. They were not They were not considered the same. This is not the same rock. No. It's a different kind of rock. Yeah. Right? It's, it's a- rock, but it's not that rock. Alice in Chains always got labeled in with, uh, with Pearl Jam and Nirvana. Alice in Chains, Chains pretty much sounds nothing like Pearl Jam or Nirvana, mm-hmm. but just want to mention that here. But Nirvana is the biggest elephant in the room here. They're the catalyst they're, to the end of metal. They're helpful. I, I don't think they... You know what it is with hair metal, Quinn? What? It's death by a thousand cuts. Right. But it, there, It's there's not a, one big thing that happened. But I, I think this was the last cut. This was the this was the, the the straw that broke the camel's back. Maybe I will take that metaphor, sir. Does that make sense? Very it's good. like they already were kind of reeling. It's like all these guys are on drugs. The, the music is kind of the same. It's like people. It's been going on for a while. Yeah, like there needed something to happen, right? right? As, 
The thing is, too, is like Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Soundgarden, all these bands, it could have been any of them that broke through first with a big number one single and video. Right. It could have been. Yeah. I, and I like Nirvana. I don't love Nirvana. I think the video contributes to this. The Nirvana Smells Like Teen Spirit video. The one. song is a great song, and it would have, it probably was charting on the radio anyway. But the video has this vibe of like a, like a wasteland, like this screwed up high school. Dystopian almost. Dystopian, like, like and it was totally like new. It was foreign. This like what they were doing in here, right? Had like a Mad Max kind of thing going on. A little bit. It, like it, maybe even a Blade Runner thing if you want to go dystopian, right? It's like just this weird, like seemed like this alternate future of some kind, right? Where like these guys, it's like these guys are just kind of rejects. It was it, yes, rejects. Know? It was grim. Right. Whereas all the hair metal It was glam. It was glam. <laughs> yeah. There you go. It was positive. A lot of this music, despite some of the subject matter. And the arrogance of the, the band. It was it about was, having a good time. Exactly. Like Poison said, ain't nothing but a good time. Yeah. This was like, no, this fucking sucks. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, our future's going to be terrible. Right. Everything sucks. Right. Like, you Very know. happy music. Yeah. But it connected with people. Because it resonated. Because here's the thing. Is the other thing we're forgetting here is that this glam rock was disconnected from reality. Yes. Right? 100%. It was portraying a life that was not livable. Endless flowing cocaine and and An unrelatable and, and life, like, too. Yeah, yeah, like, it's like, this is not, like, people can't make, <laughs> most people can't make a living off that. Right. Right? It was much easier to relate to, like, the Ramones right. in the 70s than it would be to relate to Skid Row or somebody yeah, like in that, a, you in know? In a sense, Nirvana was like a second punk. They were, and they were influenced by punk and many other things. You don't right. need to write me letters, folks. I know that. Smells Like Teen Spirit was on Nevermind, which was actually their second album. They had, right. had, an they had another album, one. The yeah. Bleach. Like I said, it it happened to be them. Yeah. I don't think, I'm going to say this now, I could be wrong. I don't think grunge killed hair metal. I think that's too simplistic. I think, I think grunge changed the mood. Joe. I think it changed the mood, and I think it replaced hair metal as far as the popular rock of its day. Yeah. I don't think it killed it. I think... I think it was, it was a buzz art. kill, Joe. I think it was yeah. a, it was the the music stopped in a sense, right for them. In a way, yeah. It's that like, I do agree. The with. party's over, guys. Yes. Go close up the bar, right? right. It's like that's what this felt like. Because one of the things that had been going on as we got into the 90s, 90, 91, 92 with hair metal was this over-reliance on the aforementioned power ballad doing mm-hmm. acoustic sets. Let's not forget though. This genre by 1991-92, had been popular for the better part of a decade. And that's not how long things usually right. last. Think about the boy band craze of the, what, 96 to, what, to 2000? Like 2004-ish, yeah. 5 maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Or the teen pop princess phase of all yeah. them. But that was all mixed together. That was all That was all know, the same era. But I'm just saying, right. it's this was a pretty long run that it had. It right? was. If you really think about but, it. See, the thing is that I think is it probably wouldn't have ended if some something as stark as Smells Like Teen Spirit didn't come along. Well, I agree with you. Something had to not... Like, sure, maybe the it was a powder keg, right? That it was ready to go. But something had to come to make it get out of here. Well, I totally agree with you, Quinn. I totally agree because what had happened, too, is that it all started to just kind of sound the same. All right. these Like, the singers kind of sound the same, the production sounds the same, the solos sound the same, right? It's predictable and formulaic. Because it's, it's easy money. Right. It's one thing if you're if you're standing in a field of people with white shirts and you're wearing pink, you're going to stand out. And that's what hair metal was when it started. 
But now if it's a field of pink shirts and a band like Nirvana and comes in wearing shirt. a black shirt, yeah. now they're going to stand out. Right. That's what I think it was. It, it, that's a good, that's that's good. Yeah. Thank you. Because I think that's really what it was. We had, they were a black a, sheep. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. There had been enough of this. It was perceived as inauthentic, excessive, yeah. decadent, unrealistic. And like here's you the said. same thing. As soon as the executives got wind of what Nirvana was, all of a sudden, yeah. everything was going to be like this now. And right? it was for a few years. For, it didn't last long. A few years. But they, the, the record company sure raced to... To do this, well, yeah, right? it was like they were like, we got it, we got to get it now. Where's right? our Nirvana? We need a Nirvana because Geffen they did, had Nirvana. What they didn't anticipate was hip hop. Well, that's right? the, and, and gangster rap, right? right. Like they, that kind of cut right into that. And was a lot all of female the, artists too, really, and, and Mariah Carey and, lot, and Whitney yeah. Houston, R and B, yeah. a lot of stuff. But like, what they didn't, I think, they thought because rock. Here's the thing that's very interesting about the end of hair metal and why I consider it actually like maybe the proper end of rock as the top genre. Okay. (laughs) Go ahead. No, seriously. Make your case. It's the last time in my eyes that rock and roll was completely uncontested. It was so money-making for the, the record companies, right? Nirvana changed it, but it wasn't happy music. Well, that's true. And suddenly... You know, people were looking for Mariah. They, they were looking for something different. And then they hit it, upon the boy bands it, and, and Britney. And, and, and hip-hop, too. And, well, and hip-hop, too, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Right? And, and hip-hop R&B. could be its own... Th- See, hip-hop had the freedom because it was a new... It was a completely it was an new evolving style genre, of, yeah. of music. Yeah. So it could it could do all sorts of stuff. Like, at the beginning, it was serious. It was about real issues. And then it got super fun in the mid-90s. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and... and to me, it was really hard for rock to ever be number one. So are you saying again. that Nirvana killed rock? Not that they killed rock. <laughs> it's just that, like... Just kidding. I just think it's more of a quiet end to rock being the the number one to, thing. To, to a harder brand of rock. Because you had yeah. bands like the Goo Goo Dolls who, who really went radio-friendly and were really yeah. big. And... Uh, the Gin Blossoms had hits, you know, bands they like did. that. Again, they kept branding it as alternative, not rock. I, I feel like the word rock became old school. Old school. Old, you know what I mean? Like, in the 90s was really it. Yeah, it revived in the 2000s again, man. The Foo Fighters were always a big part of that scene. And even the bands that I don't like, like Nickelback and bands like it that. It never retained what it, you know, this well, unparalleled dominance is what I mean. It's also been about 30-something years since this, and about 30 years. There's so many more radio stations, and no one watches friggin' TV anymore. I mean, they do. You know what I mean. They watch YouTube. Yeah. So, which uh, ironic, nothing is done. Just, uh, just on a side note, ironically, seems like the best vehicle for music videos, but it seems to not happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like perfect. It's like short videos. It's, <laughs> it seems like, hey, we would need music videos right. to fill all this, <laughs> yeah, right? It's true. I do want to mention again the bands that we're talking about, like Nirvana, Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, uh, Stone Temple Pilots. All the alternative rock bands, they're all lumped together. They're really not the same. The reason they're lumped together is because they were all different. That's mm-hmm. what, They were all different than what had been on the radio. Yeah. They're not really the same. And like Quinn mentioned, R&B played a contributing factor as well, uh, and hip-hop in the yeah. early and mid-90s. But really, though, once hair metal started to die off around 91, 92, fashion-wise or music-wise, it didn't seem like it was missed. It seemed like everybody was ready to move on. Like, once hair metal died, the 80s ended. Well, here's the thing. Everything became more real. Yeah, like, look at Nirvana. Three guys wearing regular clothes, shuffling around. Seattle look. 
Yeah, that, so, you know, like so. what hair metal was. I mean, you would never see somebody like that walk in the streets in the in the nineties. And if you did, you were like, "Is this like Wayne's World or yeah, something?" Yeah, a costume party. You're yeah, going like to? it was like it was considered silly. But it's it's fascinating how quickly it died off, right? I think because it was over to the top to begin with. Yeah, so right? it wasn't hard to. Yeah, well, okay. it wasn't hard to kick, right? Just cut your fucking hair and wear the flannel. Yeah, like, <laughs> I'm cured. Yeah, exactly. It was not. Man, I really miss doing that. Having tons of hairspray and wearing tight leather pants that that like hurt. Right. That's, that must be very. I've never worn leather trousers, and if any of you have, please let us know God, how that feels. Wearing that in the summer. That's got to chafe, man. Yeah. That's oof, holy shit. Some cream. Yeah. But yeah, the music became much more down to earth. No yeah. frills, no accoutrement, if you will. And if it was glamorous, it was more of a female, like glitter, yeah, <laughs> my, exactly, my, uh, stuff like that. Yeah. But it's interesting because in the eighties, it wasn't about the music. Hair metal is not about the lyrics. It's not about making you think. It's about having a good time. It's about partying. Right. The 90s, the artists, with varying degrees of success, wanted to make it more about the music and more about the lyrics and making you think. They want what they wanted. I always felt this is in the 90s what they wanted. They wanted another 60s. They wanted the, the they wanted the oh we're, this is going to be like a political and like yeah but like the, and the stuff the Bob they were Dylan sixties right the but I, I always thought it was 60s. funny because the stuff they were fighting for sometimes was a lot <laughs> well yeah lesser uh, but yeah I mean people's fashions t- changed people's tastes evolved throughout the nineties but as with anything there remained a fondness uh, for the nostalgia of hair metal particularly amongst maybe. People that were in their early 20s in the mid-80s, yeah. now they're in their late 30s in the late 90s, and they're like, oh, I remember that song. Kind of like we're doing, being in our late 30s doing yeah. this, but Monsters of Rock was an album that came out in 1998. <laughs> it's been brought up ad nauseum in this podcast, but it's because it's when we grew up, and this was, what the hell, Joe? Like, I cannot say how many times I saw this stupid commercial yes. in my life. This 35-track collection is not sold in stores. To order, call the number on your screen or send check or money order. Two CDs, $26.99. Two cassettes, $21.99. Rush delivery available. Uh, So I'm just going to run down the track listing. Come on, feel the noise. Quiet, right? Once Bitten, Twice Shy by Great White. Poison the song by Alice Cooper. See, Alice Cooper just lumped in. See, I don't know if that's... <laughs> it, it. I guess it clarifies. I guess it qualifies, I should yeah. say. I guess it does. Final Countdown by Europe. Round Around by Rat. Cherry Pie Warrant. Here I Go Again. White Snake. How it's- is Final Countdown part of that? Like, it does not feel like uh, the same thing. Well... Take a look at Europe and you'll understand why. Oh, uh, well, just because they look like that? But yes. like, the song sounds like... It's more of an epic. It's, it's, it's like it's closer to like, yeah. I, it's I can't, more like Queen than yeah, it is it's like hair queen, metal. It's yeah. more like Queen, I mean, yeah. I was going to say New Wave, but it's no. no, it, no. It's, like, it's like this epic arena thing it's or like whatever. It's like Queen. It's like a song you'd play at a hockey game or something. Sure. You know? any, any time they want to play it, I'm fine with it. Every Rose Has Its Thorn by Poison. 17 by Winger. Cult of Personality by Living Color. That is not That's a hair metal that is, song. What a weird choice. That is not. Who uh, publishes Warner or something? Razor like, and Tie. Who they who? own? By, who they own by? They're probably just some <laughs> fake ass label for some 
big conglomerate. <laughs> Who are they? Concord. Oh, they're they're distributed by Universal Music Group. Yeah, but their parent company. Concord. Uh, anyway, we have uh, We're Not Gonna Take It, Twisted Sister. You've got another thing coming, Judas Priest. That is not glam metal. It's just regular friendly metal. Yeah. Uh, no, oh, remember Nobody's Fool by Cinderella? Yep. Hold On Loosely is not a friggin' glam metal song. That's 38 Special. So the way they advertised this, right? Yeah. They didn't show those. They showed the ones where it's like some video where it's clearly a fucking like heavy metal thing. Does this have the skydiving guy or is that it does? Something? So it's it's like interspersed with the guy. Like he gets in the plane and then they play more videos and then he jumps out of the plane and he's like, "Whoa, monsters rock!" Or something. He says something into the camera <laughs> and he's like funny. in the sky. It's monsters of rock. Turn up the radio by Autograph and Sister Christian. Remember yeah. that one by Night Ranger. And then, of course, one year later in 1999, June 29th, there was Monster Ballads because we have to celebrate the power ballad. They taught us how to love. They taught us how to live. Heaven by Warrant, Something to Believe in by Poison, High Enough by Damn Yankees, Almost Paradise by Mike Reno and Ann Wilson, Is This Love by White Snake, To Be With... That's not a... Pa- I guess it is, right? I guess so. To Be With You by Mr. Big, uh, Carrie by Europe, Don't Know What You Got Till It's Gone, Cinderella, More Than Words by Extreme, Headed for a Heartbreak by Winger, When I Look in Your Eyes by Firehouse, <laughs> Wind of Change by Scorpions, Remember... Scorpions yeah, got those, in on the power ballad. They shit. did. They did. I mean, everyone was in on it back then. I'll never let you go by Steelheart. When I see you smile, bad English. Bad English. Uh, <laughs> don't close. Are they? Uh, don't close your eyes by Kicks and When I'm With You by Sheriff. So that's just a little breakdown there. Yeah, for but those people of you. remember this. I that's remember the, the commercials thing. very yeah, well. It's, it was just all over the place. Now there was, and there still is, uh, a bit of a revival musically. One of the bands, notably, that had a hit with it was uh, The Darkness, I Believe in a Thing Called Love. Do you remember that song, 2003? Oh, yeah. I believe in a thing called love. Should, should we one? take a listen? I think we should take I haven't heard it in years. I think we should take a listen to it. It's got that vintage. Yeah. See, it's self-aware. What's funny about this, though, it didn't, like, spark anything. It was just no. like, oh, that's fun. And yeah. then, like, oh, it's, not like it's not like people, like, made more of this. No, no. <laughs> But it, yeah, they went for it. You know yeah. what I mean? They went for a retro sound, and nobody was doing that in the mainstream. But I got to say, I have to mention this band, Steel Panther. Steel Panther is a parody of these 80s glam metal bands. And Steel Panther, folks, if you've never heard them, I encourage you, if you have even a passing interest in this, to check them out. Feel the Steel, which came out in 2009. Yes, 2009. It sounds like it could have been made in 1987, man. Just listen to this, Quinn. Yeah. And already. The, the dueling guitars immediately. Yeah. It's every parody you can think of. Also, like, old, like, retro-style video games always have this kind of music. Yes. You know? Yeah. Like, oh, well, yeah, it's like the 80s, guys. It's heavy metal. Look, he's doing the David Lee Roth streaks. Yeah. But the lyrics, listen to the lyrics. She's looking good. It's just so parody. Yeah. It's about, it's pretty good. <laughs> it's just such a parody, and I just found it very funny. Uh, so check out Steel Panther, folks, if you want to. It's, it's intended to be a joke. But anyway, 
Uh, hair metal, I think, Quinn, does it not remain an emblem of the 1980s? Absolutely. I mean, it, it is symbolic of the 1980s. It's one of the things you think of the most. The hair. The hair. You know, there's the a, there's other scenes and stuff you think of, but the but the hair metal stuff was probably the loudest. Well, right? that's a great way to put it. In, in not, more not, ways than one. More, yeah, more than just the actual music. <laughs> right. I mean, just like the look and all that. Right. It, it's just, it typifies. Like when you think 1980s costume, <laughs> yeah, right? You think right. of big hair. Yeah, that's true. That's absolutely true. You might mix a bunch of other things together, but like you think of big hair. The, you know, for men, it was the the big hair because yep. like those metal guys, right? And leather, a yeah. lot of leather. It was interesting too because it, it it is a very different take on big masculine men. Like yeah. back back in those days, was like we did pro wrestling podcasts, right? I mean, what? But <laughs> what I mean to say is like that leaked. Into those muscle men had big hair too. Oh, well, tons like, of you big know, hair and it's all, all over. from this. Lots of spandex, lots of yeah. pink. You know, and, and it, it's it's interesting, right? Because there's no there's no era like that where like no. that look, not at all, was was fashionable, mainstream, mainstream. right? Yeah, that's to a the good point, point of like parody of the entire decade. That's a great point. Yeah, it right. is. It almost parodies the '80s. And for those that were around to experience it, I'm sure it is. Uh, Fondly remembered or hated. Maybe you hated it. Uh, <laughs> you hated clam metal. I don't know. Like we said in the top, I like it. I like it in proper doses, though. Yeah. It's not my favorite genre of music. You know, I'm not going to listen to every single Poison album tomorrow or anything yeah, like yeah, that. You no. know, I'm just not. You might, though, might. depending on what you mix in here. And then when you're mixing it in, you'll be like, huh. <laughs> I do like White Snake, though. Yeah. But anyway, we hope you guys like this. And again, please don't be offended if we've mislabeled any band, you know, contrary to your liking. We apologize for that. We're trying to speak in somewhat broad strokes here. And for any songs or artists that we forgot, we apologize and we'll send you a, a, a handwritten postcard. Quinwell. Postcard. Postcard, yes, in, in the mail. Uh, but really, we just wanted to kind of celebrate and discuss the genre, the fad, and the decade that was hair metal, really, yeah. if you really think about it. So we hope you guys liked this one. And if you didn't, don't worry. Next week, we will be back for something completely different. But until that time, be sure to follow us on Twitter at AWM Podcast and join our group. Next week is something else, but until that time, I'm Joe Morata, that is Michael Quinn, and we'll see you next week for more Acid Wash Memories. See ya. Like what you heard? Be sure to leave a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We will see you next week. Yeah.